Now pull out your message notes. Those are given to you as you walk in the door. We do this, I do this, so that you can take the message that you heard today and think about it and pray about it throughout the entire week. And I just encourage everyone to take notes if, if you can, if that's something that interests you. We make that available for you. Now, today's message is entitled, A Baby Changes Everything. A baby changes everything. How many know kids change everything? How many, how many have got kids? Any, anybody got a baby? How many know that baby changes everything in your life? Can I get an amen? Oh, it changes everything. I remember when we had our very first kid, Caden. He is now 10 years old, and we got four kids, and our quiver is full. No moss. We are done but I remember we planned Caden. We had him, uh, we got pregnant about five years into our marriage. We've been married over 16 years. And so it was this planned experience and we're excited and all things are, are working together for the good. Come on, it's good. And, and we're, we're, we're excited. How I many know when you are pregnant, you begin to get your house in order? We started to childproof everything, and women start to nest. Any ladies know what I'm talking about? You get that room all dolled up for whichever gender that baby is. And I just remember as we were preparing for Caden, how I thought, man, this is, this is kind of a game changer. This is a big deal. All the husbands, you didn't know it, but it's a big deal. And I just, you know, we went to the Lamaze class, learned how to breathe. We were reading books. Like, you, nobody uses Lamaze in birthing. I mean, you go there, but when you're birthing, it ain't like pretty, breathe, <laughs> breathe. No, no, it's, it's ugly. Ah! <laughs> so we, we did all the things that you would do. And I, I remember buying the car seat. Now, how I many know when you buy the car seat, it gets real. So if you hadn't had a baby, the significance of the car seat is you can't bring the baby home until you have a car seat. And so I remember getting the, the, the car seat. We're thinking, man, life is good. It impacted us so much that car seat wouldn't fit in our car. We had to buy another car. Phyllis had a Mustang GT convertible. How I many know ain't no car seat fitting in the back of a Mustang GT convertible? It radically changed our lives, and I just remember even bringing Caden home, how everything shifted, everything changed. It was a new season at the Kyle's household. Think about this. Think about the impact that a baby had in the life of Mary. That baby not only changed Mary's life, that baby not only changed Joseph's life. How many know that baby changed the world? How many know that baby changed the world? That it wasn't just another baby, but really this was a point in time when all of history would be shifted, all of history would be marked and changed forever. In fact, it was such a big deal, the birth of this baby, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, that our calendars actually hinge around this year in time. If you look at the calendar and you see like 300 B.C. or you see 2016 A.D., that A.D. actually is a Latin term that means in the year of our Lord. And so when you say this is the year 2016, you're actually saying it is 2016 years since the birth of our Savior. I mean, he changed everything and Think about Mary. She didn't have an instruction manual. She, she was in harsh conditions, rough conditions, and there was no how-to God. Like, how do you raise the Son of God? 
I mean, how do you raise a child that's perfect? I mean, mothers, I mean, come on, can you empathize? Who wants to raise a perfect child? Who wants to raise the Son of God? Like, like they're never going to make mistakes. Like, Jesus just be like... I, I mean, we had a traumatic experience here at the Kyle's household, and just this last week, my, half my kids believe in Santa. Listen, if you're in here and you're a kid and you believe in Santa... Just close your ears and we'll let that holiday day tradition continue. And so half of them believe in Santa, half of them don't. And I was going to take an errand with, with Carson and Addison. And no big deal, right? We're going to get a few things and we're going to come back home to mom. I'm thinking it's just a normal errand. And somewhere in the car ride, Carson whispers to Addison, hey, Santa's not real. <laughs> I'm like, bro. Bro, what are you thinking? Like, why would you tell? And, and so she's like getting upset. And, and, and so, yeah. So she's saying, Santa's not real. She said, Dad, is Santa real? And so I did what any good father would say is, hey, what do you guys want for Christmas? Like, you know, change the subject. And, and then he, he's doing this and he's taunting her. And, and, and so then she asks again, Dad, is Santa real? And I'm changing the subject. Like, I'm excited. Hey, did you guys know for Christmas we're going to Uncle Steve's house? I mean, I'm trying to change the subject like any good parent. And by the time we get to the house, I'm thinking I've changed the subject. And Addison opens up the door and runs around as I'm getting out. And she pulls my face down and she said, Dad, is Santa real. I mean, what do you do, right? I'm your pastor. I'm a man of God. I'm a man of the cloth. I mean, your little five-year-old daughter is looking and saying, Dad, tell me the truth. Is Santa real? How many would tell the truth? How many would lie? Just lie. Just lie. Well, I didn't. I'm looking down and I said, baby, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, it do, why does it matter? Well, Dad, you got to tell me. And so I just said, baby, Santa's not real, but mom and dad are good. Like, we're going to give you some. And she was upset. She was crying. And I didn't think she would take it as personal because I thought she just wanted the gifts. But her whole paradigm of Christmas has been shifted. She goes in, she's crying. And Phyllis said, hey, baby, what did you do? That's a typical, I said, well, baby, you know, Carson, he told Addison that, that, you know, Santa's not real. And she said, well, what did you say? I said, well, baby, she pulled me down. She said, Jim, what did you, James Lawton Kyles, what did you say? And I said, well, baby, I, I had to tell her the truth. She said, what's the truth? I said, Santa's not real. She said, listen to me, Santa is real. I mean, you know, how many ladies, you know what I'm talking about. You're just going to lie, lie, lie. What do you do when it's Jesus? I mean, think about Mary. She didn't have that instruction manual. She didn't have this, like, like you're raising the very son of God. And we've got to know this, that Santa's not real. But how many know Jesus Christ is real? That his birth really happened. He was birthed and raised up. And it was his life that saves us. Matthew chapter 123 actually conveys this truth. It says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. 
God with us. So you look at this, and we've heard this scripture many times, but what we have to understand is at this point in history, God had not spoken to his people in over 400 years. In fact, it had been more than 500 years since a miracle had taken place. So now, all of a sudden, God interrupts time, and the greatest miracle ever takes place. God touches this world in a human form and body. Jesus is born. And that's what we've got to know. Listen, that's what Christmas is all about. I love Santa, love Christmas trees, love the presents. But if we ever miss that as Christians, we have missed the greatest truth that has impacted our life and that can impact our society. God with us. And I would say this, the challenge for us in Christmas is that we're losing this true meaning of Christmas. Christmas has become commercialized. In fact, they say that 465 billion, as in B, dollars will be spent this Christmas season buying gifts and presents that big box retailers know that in this season they could be read all year, not made any money, but coming into the Christmas season, they understand that if I market right, if I commercialize this enough, that we can actually make profit enough to not only survive, but to thrive for the rest of the year. So there's this commercialization. Did you know that we spend 1.3 billion, as in B, dollars in Christmas trees? I mean, and I get it. I love it. I'm all about the Christmas tree and the experience. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, what is the true meaning of Christmas? What is Christmas all about and how does it impact our lives? How does it impact our families? How does it impact the city and the nation and the world? And really, we see Christmas as the birth of our Lord and our Savior. Our greatest need in life was not more information. Think about that. I mean, if it was, then God would have sent us a great educator. Our greatest need in life was not technology. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. Listen, your greatest need in life is not money. If it was, he would have sent us a great economist. Our greatest need in life is not pleasure. If he was, he would have sent us an entertainer. Our greatest need in life is forgiveness. So he sent us a savior. His son to this earth to live a perfect sinless life so that we would have our sins forgiven. We would have a relationship with God. So we must understand this, that Christmas actually, when we as Christians understand it, actually informs the culture that we live in. We know that this Christmas season, the birth of Jesus, our Savior, it informs the culture that God is real, that there is hope in America, that every time we say Merry Christmas, people are faced with the reality that God loves us so much he sent his son to this earth. Look at what Luke 2.11 says. It says, For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. See, skeptics and unbelievers alike, they're forced to face this gospel message in the Christmas season wrapped up in holiday cheer. Doesn't that make sense? 
Doesn't that make sense as to why there would be a cultural war? Think about this. If that's what Christmas is all about, it's not about this commercialization, but really is celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior, then that makes sense how hostile our culture has become towards Christmas. I was reading just this last week on one of the news outlets, and there's this big billboard move. I don't know if you've seen it, but it says, Make Christmas Great Again, Skip Church. Why would they do that? It's, 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 there's this atheist movement, and, and what they've done is they're saying, listen, Christmas never was about this Christ child. Christmas never was about this little baby born in a manger that would save the world. Christmas is and always has been about you, about what you want, about what you feel, about your thoughts, your desires, your needs. It's all about you. There is no God. This Christian thing is a lie. But if you think about that, We know that that is not the truth, and that's why we are faced with the fact that we're not going to say happy holidays. We're going to say Merry Christmas. Everybody say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Why? Because in that very statement, people are faced with the good news that there is a Savior that was born. Look in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. It says, but the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. Everybody say good news. Say it again. Say good news. So Christmas is good news that will cause great joy for all people. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those to whom his favor rests. There is a Savior that has been born, that God cares about us so much he was willing to step into humanity by sending his Son on a rescue mission. And that's what we see in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved, God so loved, God so loved that he gave. He gave what? He gave his one and only Son to this earth to live a sinless life, to die on the cross for our sins. Why? So that those who believe would be saved and have eternal life. It's a rescue mission. Think about this. All of heaven was bankrupt when Jesus was born in that manger. That he would deliver us from the slavery of sin. Look at what Isaiah says. Isaiah actually prophesies about Jesus being born. And and look at it because really what we understand where there is a cultural war on Christmas, it's not us fighting atheists. It's not us fighting those that don't believe. Listen, you have the right and the freedom to believe whatever you want to believe, but it cannot silence us from telling the truth of God's love that would save this world. And really what we see is we're not fighting atheists. We're not fighting culture. There is a battle between light and darkness, good and bad, God and the devil. And so when we understand that, then it allows us to recognize Christmas is actually an opportunity for us to share the love of God with the world, not be quiet and consumed with the mentality of consumerism. Look at what Isaiah says. He says, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. So what is he going to accomplish? He's going to deliver us from this slavery of sin. 
That for God to use us to establish his kingdom on this earth. And that's what I talk about each and every week, right? I mean, that's one of the things that I tell us each and every day. That it's not good enough for us just to be saved. I don't want to just make it into heaven. God, save me, set me free, and then allow me to establish your kingdom here on this earth. One of the prayers that we have here is, God, whatever you want to do in a church, do it in this church. God, whatever you want to do in the people, do it in us as people. Why? Because every time God's kingdom is established in your heart, God's kingdom is established in this earth. You begin to take dominion. You begin to take authority. You begin to step out and advance the kingdom of light. And we begin to shut down the forces of darkness that have come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So Christmas, it informs the culture, but it also, it has the ability to transform the culture. Transform it. That our message is not just words that we say. Listen, it's not just songs that we sing, but really there is a demonstration of God's love. There's a demonstration of God's hope. There's a demonstration of God's peace, that the Christmas message is changing the world. But first and foremost, that message has to change and transform our lives personally. 2 Corinthians 5.17, and I love this. You guys are getting quiet on me. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Everybody say new creature. Say it again. Say new creature. The old things have passed away, and behold, all things, they have become new. Isn't that what Christianity is about? That God, you change us on the inside. That, that God, you transform me. God, that you allow your presence to saturate me. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 18. This is one of the verses that I love so much. It says, and we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. That we're being transformed. Everybody say transformed. From glory to glory to glory. One translation just says from glory to glory to glory. How many know we're being changed? We're being transformed. How many say, God, I want you to change and transform me? This is the thing we know about Christianity. Listen to me. It's not behavior modification. It's not about us getting it all together and right and just saying, hey, listen, if I do the right things, if I say the right things, then maybe I'm accepted. Can I tell you that God wants to change us on the inside, that when your heart is changed, when everything on the inside, he comes in, and when we are saved, Ezekiel says that he gives us a new heart, a new spirit. So then what happens is that I don't have to fake it till I make it. He's placed it on the inside of me. Now my life has changed. I wake up different. I may fall. I may slip. I may make mistakes, but the reality is this, I am different on the inside. That's why, listen, when you get saved and born again, you can't go back to that old stuff. Oh, it might have been fun when you were bound up in the sin, but once God touches you, have you ever tried to go back? It's never as good as it once was. Why? Because on the inside, he changed you. He transformed you. You are actually a brand new creature. And we must understand we're not looking for people to get perfect. I I love this church. Come with your hurts, your habits, your hangups. Come with your baggage. Come messed up. Come just as you are. We're not looking for perfect people. We know this, that if you will come into the presence of God, God is the one that changes us. Yeah, I was thinking earlier, I was walking through the breezeway, and one of our dream teamers, 
He said, you know, I actually experienced that because I don't know if you know this, but we actually have atheists that come to this church. And if you're an atheist here today, you are welcomed here. Agnostics, Hindus, we have Muslims come into this church. This is what I know. You don't have to believe to belong. So, so what we want to do is we want to say, hey, listen, all skeptics are welcome. All doubters are welcome. You, you, this is what I know. God's not afraid of your doubt. God's not afraid of an atheist. He knows this, that I, as God, can reach into the depths of their heart and where they can't articulate it, he can make them come alive. And someone met me out in the breezeway and he was talking about uh, this church and he said, a year ago, pastor, I was like that atheist. He said, I didn't believe in God. My dad was on the dream team and he said, I want you to come to this church church and he said I don't believe in God he said well that's okay you don't have to believe just come to church with mom and I he said I came and he said at first I just he said I was walking around looking around and he said it was totally different unlike anything I'd experienced before he said I started coming back and I realized that that I could not deny the existence of God for truly God was in that place and now he serves on the dream team. God saved him, has set him free, and he said, Pastor, I was one of those doubters. Why? Because it changes us. It transforms us. And then once we're transformed, listen, we as the church, we've got to go out and be the change agents. Like, I'm excited that you're going to heaven. I'm excited that your sins are forgiven. I'm excited that many of you have been delivered from the things of the past. But what good is all of that if we don't give away what God has given to us? That, God, you gave me joy in the midst of trials. You gave me peace when it seems like the world is falling apart. You gave me all of the things that are inside of me. Now I must go and give it to the world. That's what it's all about. We changed on the inside, we're changed on the inside. Now we go and change the world. I know this, transformed people transform the world. Not religious people, not people that just have this act or this facade. It's really, God, have you changed me? God, have you transformed me? And in the midst of that, from the inside out, we begin to change and transform the world around us. That's what I love about our dream team. You know, they come in each and every week. And they serve, not because their life is put together. Listen, sometimes it's easy to say, well, I'll serve, I'll be a part, but I'll do it when my life is all together. Listen, your life is never going to be all together. There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be things that happen. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage or your finances or your family or your job, whatever it is. What we say is, God, you've done something on the inside of me, so I'm going to greet people out in the breezeway. How many appreciate all of our greeters? Give them a hand. Thank you to all the greeters. You know, you don't know what kind of day they had, but to them they say, I don't care what my day was like. I'm going to give what God has given to me to those that walk up. And your children's department, how many love all the children's workers? They love on the babies. Regardless of how their world, their week happened, they love on the babies. Why? Because Christmas transforms culture. The last but not least, Christmas reforms culture. Really, when we think about Christmas and the message, it reforms the culture that we live in. See, many people see the culture as the enemy, and I, I know this as a Christian, sometimes it's easy to escape 
Sometimes it's easy to run away. Like when God touches us, we kind of evacuate. We don't go out and hang out with people. We don't go out into the world around us. We kind of retreat into our Christian clubs. What I would encourage us is that as God has changed us, let's go out into the world. Let's reform the world. Let's go into the workplace and let's see if we can reform God's culture in the workplace that we live in. Let's go out into the supermarket and instead of kind of just keeping to ourselves, being quiet, keeping our head down, we go into the supermarket and say, Merry Christmas. God loves you. Do you know the reason for the season? Go into the environment that you live in and begin to be the change agents. That God, you got us on this secret assignment that we're going out into the world as missionaries into the world that God has called us to disciple. I mean, I'm convinced this. God didn't call us to live a safe life. Christianity is not safe. I know sometimes there's this, I believe it's a lie that the safest place is in the center of God's will. I don't know about you, how many have ever been in the middle of God's will and all hell breaks loose? And it seems like every enemy that could attack begins to attack. I'll tell you this, he didn't call us to live a safe life. He called us to live as disciples. Those that would go into the world, preach the gospel, spread the good news that everywhere we go, listen, regardless of what I'm walking through, I'm going to tell you about the God that has helped me walk through it. That's the power of the gospel, that in the midst of my storm, people can look at my life and say, surely there is a God in heaven disciples discipling others. And really, if I had to be candid, that's why we created Next Steps. You know, we talk about it each and every week. As, as a pastor, I remember four years ago when we were talking about launching this church, and the amazing thing is it was just a dream. And my neighbor from across the street, Miss Carol, came this morning. We had been asking her to come for four years. And she came this morning. But in the midst of launching that church four years ago, I just remember me having these thoughts that when God touched my life, I didn't know what else to do. Like, I I, I remember him saving me and setting me free, and Jeremiah, you guys can get ready to come. And I remember, I didn't know what next steps to take. And so the reason we created the next steps is this. We help you move forward in your journey. Because I remember this, I became a follower of Christ, but what does that look like? I remember looking into my heart and saying, okay, God has done something, but how do I move forward in my relationship with God? Well, that's what we teach you in the first part of next steps. And then I remember this, how do I get connected with people? Because God touched me, God changed me, but how do I build these relationships? How do I get connected in the church? How do I get connected serving? And so then we created a part where it's like, man, get connected. We hear your story, you hear our story. And then ultimately, listen, how do we discover how God created me? Because each and every one of you, listen, each and every one of you has a unique design. Why? Because when he changed you, he's called you to go into the culture and to be a change agent. That there is something on the inside of you that makes you come alive. That on the inside you say, man, I was made for this. Have you seen our shirts? We got some of our dream teamers wearing it. I was made for this. That when we come alive on the inside, when we discover why we were made, no devil in hell can stop us. Man, why? That's, that's why. 
It's for you. It's your convenience. And God, let's help people move forward in their walk with you. See, God calls us to reform the culture. And my prayer is this, that we would have a church that in this great city would reform the culture. Look at Isaiah 55, verse 9. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts greater than your thoughts. And I love Ephesians 3.20, and I'll leave it with this last verse. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Think about this. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, wants to do immeasurably more than all that you could ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. Get your hopes up for Christmas. That's really the reason why we did three Christmas Eve services. It wasn't for us. You know, our team was like, man, it's going to stretch us on Friday, Saturday, and the dream teamers, it puts a stress on their families. But do you know why we did it? Because we're getting our hopes up. God, would you do immeasurably more? God, those people that normally wouldn't walk through the doors of this church, I know this, they'll come in a candlelight Christmas Eve service. Why? Because it's the holiday season. And there are barriers that are just naturally broken with that season. And so I'm asking you this, would you get your hopes up? God, would you set people free that have been bound in sin for years and years and years? God, that I would be the salt, that I would be the light, that as they come in contact with me, that I'm not going to get caught up in consumerism, but God, I'm going to be your change agent, that together we would see their life changed by your power, by your grace. A baby changes everything. 